Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. The title of my message today is Windstorms and Whispers. Windstorms and Whispers. Uh, my wife, Gretchen, and I, we have three kids together, uh, Tegan, Cohen, and Zeke. And they're all like pretty much teenagers now. Zeke's like one year away. But when they were really, really little, we, uh, we were like, let's take them all to Disneyland. Anybody ever taken kids to Disneyland when half of them are in strollers? And, uh, or like they're just learning how to walk, which is the time where they're like, Maybe I could run away. That sounds fun. Um, and we were in this season of life with our kids, and we took our kids to Disneyland, and we lost one of them, okay? Uh, I can feel some of you judging me. Uh, some of you are like, oh, thank God. It's not just me. Um, and that's why we only have three instead of four now. And the thing of it is, no, it was the same three. And I'm, I'm not going to tell you who it is because I don't want to embarrass them. But when we found her... Um, <laughs> What she said was, uh, she was like, I, we were like, where were you? And she was like, I was calling for you, but you were acting like you couldn't hear me. How come you kept walking? And I love that in her mind that it was like some elaborate trick we were playing on her. That we were like, this is just like a lot of people here. Like, I wonder if it would be interesting for this like three or four year old for us just to walk away and pretend like we can't hear anything that she's saying. Um, but we weren't pretending. We really couldn't hear her. We were sort of caught up, like, you know, trying to, to, to talk to and, and, and corral the other two that we got to that place and you're talking and you just look back and then that panic strikes. And for those of you that are parents, you know what it feels like. I mean, that just complete panic of I don't know where they are, what happened. Uh, I don't know if you're like my wife and I, but instantly you're, you're just like, it's been two seconds. And you're like, they're dead. They're dead in a different state. Uh, they've been kidnapped. I mean, just all the worst imaginable things are coming up in your mind, and we were just panicked. And, and it, was, it took us forever to try and like, convince her that it wasn't intentional, that, uh, because the reality of it was we, just, we couldn't hear her soft voice uh, over the noise of such a big crowd. And this is what happens, I think, a lot of times in these sorts of settings is that there's so much noise, there's visual noise, there's audible noise, that if something is, isn't overpowering the noise, it's going to get drowned out by the noise. And this little dynamic sort of makes me wonder a little bit about us and God, if the same sort of stuff happens in our relationship with him as well. I, I wonder at times if God is calling to us, but we just can't hear him. Or maybe we do hear him, but we don't recognize it's him. And so because of that, we just sort of overlook the thought, the feeling, the sense that we we're having in that situation. And here's what is interesting. Uh, one of the New Testament authors tells us that that is exactly what we do. Like just right out of the gate, it's just like, you ever have the feeling that maybe you're missing God and he's right in front of you? And one New Testament author is just like, don't even wonder about it. You're doing it. Okay, that's what you do. John uh, chapter 1, verse 10, he says this. God came into the very world he created, but we did not recognize him. In other words, like God spoke to people face to face 
through the person of Jesus, and they still had trouble hearing him. Not because he wasn't speaking, but because of the way he was speaking and all of the noise that kept them from hearing what he was saying. And I want you just to think about that this morning for a minute. That the booming voice that commanded the cosmos into existence at times speaks so softly and simply that it's easier to ignore than to observe and obey. That it actually takes effort. That God has the power to just sort of steamroll us with his voice, his guidelines, his commands. But oftentimes that's not the way he chooses to speak. And I think sometimes this is like confuses and frustrates us because we expect God to be unmissable and unmistakable, like to charge into our life and kick down the door of our heart and give us instructions and solve all of our problems. But in Scripture, Jesus waited for people to invite him in in every single situation. Jesus waited for people to invite him into their lives or into their boat or into their house or into their heart because the reality of it is God doesn't force himself on people who don't want him that's not who he is and he predominantly speaks without spectacle and I just wonder like how many times have you dismissed something that was actually ultra spiritual because it just seemed too boring to be from God it's like, it can't be God. It's, it's just so normal and boring. God probably wouldn't speak like that. We, we tend to think like, if it's fast and loud and forceful, it's got to be God. But spiritual isn't always um, spectacular. Like, what is most spiritual isn't always the most spectacular. And in fact, oftentimes, it is the exact opposite of that. And this takes us a while to sort of adjust to. Like, that God isn't always just going to blow us away with a very clear word, that there is listening, quieting, stillness, and attentiveness that's often required. And there's a story in the Old Testament that I think illustrates this in a really interesting way. And I want to just sort of process this with you. If you want to get ahead, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19 in just a moment. But to give you a bit of background, it's a story about a guy named Elijah who God spoke to in lots of really big, loud, and extreme ways. Uh, just to give you some examples, like real-life examples from this guy's life, one time he was starving in the wilderness, and God sent a bunch of ravens to door dash him food, okay? And they just dropped bread on him, right? And you can see it in this illustration here, uh, which unfortunately is a, bit of a little bit of a nip slip there. I'm sorry about that. That's, uh, I'm sure Elijah doesn't mean anything by it. There's another time where uh, God uh, helps Elijah solve an argument by dropping a fireball out of heaven in front of an audience as if to just like put an exclamation point on a speech that he was giving. Pretty incredible. There was another time where, um, God, uh, where Elijah's in a situation where he gets to the edge of this river and he needs to cross over and he forgot a boat and so... Uh, God's just like, why don't you just slap the jacket, the, the water with your jacket, and then I'll just make it to where you can walk across. And so Elijah does, and he does, and he's just like, I guess this is the path I'll take, and he just walks it through. Insane sort of stuff. I also like in that picture how his, like, his boys in the background being like, oh, okay, yeah. He, just, he, he brings a hype man with him everywhere. 
This is a good idea no matter what century you're from. So this is the sort of life that this guy lived. And I think when we think about this, this is what sometimes frustrates us about reading Scripture. At least it does me. Because I'm just like, why can't God do all this stuff for me? That would make life so much easier. What am I going to eat? Boom, bird dash. You know what I mean? Like, it just happens. How are these dummies going to know that I'm right and they're wrong? And God's like, why don't I just drop a fireball into your conference room? And you're like, yeah, that would be amazing. How am I going to know what to do next? I feel confused about my story. And God's like, why don't I just, like, you know, split some water with a jacket and make your path clear? And then you can just be like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, that would be really helpful. We would love if God would do that. But he doesn't tend to always do this. Um, God doesn't always speak through the miraculous. And here's what's crazy. I think oftentimes we're like, God, man, if you would just do something, uh, speak to me, show me what you want me to do in a really miraculous way, I would definitely listen. Everything would be great. But in the reality of the story that we're about to read, God had done all these miraculous things, but it wasn't enough. Because the core problem for these people, for Elijah, was that his people were in this severe drought and that his enemies were in charge and that they wanted him dead. They were threatening him publicly. They were trying to hunt him down. And it, it just, it wasn't, life wasn't like it was supposed to be. And even though he was experiencing miraculous things, he still had mundane life and everyday problems to solve. He still had to live life. And he was so bummed about the fact that this one issue he couldn't overcome that, you know, he, he was feeling burned out and beat up and he did what a lot of us do. He just ran away. And I'm talk- he was in a really bad place. Like, he was so depressed and depleted that uh, right after this fireball experience, he actually begs God to kill him so that he won't have to face his problems anymore. Anybody ever been there? A lot of you, nobody wants to raise their hand, but like we've been there. And he's just in this really dark place. And he's like, God, can you just kill me? And God is like, okay, um, you know, maybe instead we just, we get to have a conversation first and just sort of talk it out. And so God tells him to go to this place called Mount Oreb, which is a, a huge deal to Elijah because Mount Oreb is a sacred place to his people. Mount Oreb is where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Like, it's literally the location where God supernaturally inscribes with his finger the Ten Commandments for um, Elijah's people amidst howling winds and burning trees and boulders getting split by lightning bolts. And when God is like, hey, just go to Mount Oreb and and we'll have a conversation there. Like, Elijah's thinking, like, I don't know what God has in store, but if he's going to do it on Mount Oreb, it is going to be big. Like Sharknado big. Like, I don't know what it's going to be, but I can't wait to find out. And so he goes there, and when he gets there, that's where we sort of pick up the story. This is what God says. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. God is speaking. He says, go out and stand on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, a mighty windstorm hit the mountain, and it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard that, he stood at the entrance of the cave and God spoke. And in fact, they have this really long, deep, helpful conversation. 
And so just to recap, all this crazy, insane, miraculous, powerful, noisy stuff happens, and God isn't in any of it. And instead, God appears in the dullness after the drama. Like the all-powerful, unlimited, can-do-anything creator of the cosmos whispers. In fact, um, in Hebrew, this, this phrase that's translated into a gentle whisper, uh, in Hebrew, the actual phrase is the sound of silence. Like after everything, there was the sound of silence. And that's when God made what he wanted clear. Now, maybe you're thinking like, okay, just a quick logical thing. How do you hear silence? Like, what sound does silence make? Like, is this, is this a mistake that this is written here? And at the same time, I think that you have heard this before. I, I think there's a lot of things that you've heard in complete silence. Because if you think through your life, silence has probably spoken to you before through a knowing look from across the room where something like funny or interesting happened and you looked over at someone and they shot you a look and it was completely quiet and you were like, oh, they get it. Sometimes silence speaks through a gentle hand on your shoulder or the kind of sustained eye contact that dives below the surface and lets you know the other person is really listening and trying to understand you. It's, it speaks sometimes through like a check being paid before you can even reach for the bill when you really needed it. It can speak at times through a wordless act of service that you wouldn't even have been able to muster the strength to ask someone to do for you. They just did it anyway. Because the reality of it is, what speaks loudest often doesn't make a sound. Few things are as powerful as someone's presence, patience, and provision in our lives. And the reason I think these things are so meaningful when we get them from others is because it's ultimately everything that we really want from God. Jesus, when he was here on earth, he made it really clear right from the start of his ministry that he came to bring hope and healing to broken people with broken hearts. And as it turns out, and this may come as a surprise to you, um, shock and awe aren't really what confused and traumatized people need. Like, you're in a, if you're in a confused, traumatized state, what is going to help you most probably isn't someone yelling at you, pointing out everything that's wrong with you, leveling up with you. And this is why our God helps us process through and pick up the pieces of our lives in such a, uh, with such gentleness and kindness and patience. That's a gentle whisper these moments with God. And the reality of it is, God whispers to all of us all the time through all different sorts of means. But uh, many of us really aren't in touch with how in the world he does this. And so we miss it. Like a kid sort of trailing behind, like, like calling to us and, and, and it being so noisy we can't hear. God sometimes is following behind us speaking so softly that the noise of our lives, our existence, our schedule, our preoccupation with other things drowns out what it is he's trying to save us because it's so still and it's so small and so simple. 
we miss it. So how does God whisper? I want to give you a few different ways that God whispers to us in our lives to hopefully expand your mind and the categories you have for the ways in which God speaks. I think one of the ways that God whispers is through our circumstances, through the circumstances of our lives. Um, there's an example of this. There's a lot of examples of this in Scripture, but there's an example of this, a really interesting one in Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Um, Paul and Silas, uh, who these are, Paul wrote mo- the majority of the New Testament. These are like traveling missionary buddies, and they're traveling around the world speaking together. And they're like, man, I feel like we should go over here. We should go over here. And so they're traveling down to different places, and we get this line in the midst of sort of their itinerary where it tells us, the Holy Spirit prevented Paul and Silas from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. So the Holy Spirit is preventing them from doing something in a specific place at a specific time, which I think begs the question of, how is he pre- pre- preventing them from doing this thing that they want to do, that they think that God wants them to do? And this is not going to sound spiritual at all, but this is how the Holy Spirit prevented them. It just never worked out. How did you know God didn't want you to do that? It never worked out. Like they tried multiple times. Nobody wanted to host them. They couldn't get past the border. And eventually it occurred to them, this might be God's way of telling us, maybe don't go there. Maybe that's not the place for you. And I think a lot of times God speaks through our circumstances in the exact same way. Like, I'm going to marry that girl. If she's, like, not taking any of your phone calls and tells you to your face, I don't like you, stop calling here, and gets a restraining order, these are signs, people. (laughs) It's not like, oh, I, I should push through. It's like, no, I think God is speaking through the circumstances. She ain't the one. It's not going to work out. And if you keep pushing, you're going to end up with a different lifelong roommate in a prison. And God does this, I think, all the time. And you probably uh, had these moments in your life. I know Elijah did, right? In, in the circumstances in Elijah's life are actually telling him that he, it's time for him to sort of switch gears in his life. I don't know if you noticed, but in the pictures that we showed earlier, he's got this giant gray beard. And there's like a young guy with like also with a beard because he's like kind of like the Elijah beard vibe. Um, but it's not gray, right? It's dark brown. Because Elijah's getting old and worn out, and the circumstances of life are telling him that it's time for him to mentor an apprentice and to hand his role and his responsibilities off to this person. But he didn't want to accept that. He couldn't accept it. He didn't want to face it until the circumstances of his life showed him his limits and drove him to his knees and took him to a place where he asked God for a new plan, and God does, reveals himself. And maybe this has happened in your life where you were wrestling with what to do next in your life and, and God opened a door or he closed another one. Or you had an experience where like one situation was all green lights and the other one was full of red flags. Because I think a lot of times, sometimes, you know, we, we ask God for signs and he sets up obstacles for us. And then we're just like, God, can you remove this obstacle the enemy put in, in front of me, and God's like, oh, that wasn't the enemy, that was me. Um, I put that there. But sometimes the, the resistance that we think we're getting from the devil is really guidance from God. Absolutely. But we don't want to pay attention to it because God's telling us something we don't want to hear at the moment. So we ignore the whisper. I think the second way that God whispers to us is through our intuition, our intuition. Um, maybe you're wondering, like, what, what actually is 
intuition. I think a, a simple way to think about it is it's having enough experience with something that your gut is able to predict an outcome before your brain knows the reasons why. And you probably have these moments where you're like, ah, I get a sense about this. Something's not right here. Like, I don't, mm, I don't know. Um, in Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, he tells the story of these, these art, uh, like these art experts who, man, all they do is assess art for museums. And they present a series of paintings that are real, authentic, and then some that have been, that are fake, right? They have been forged. And they're all sitting in this room, and he tells the story of these guys walk in, and like intuitively, they just look around. In a moment of seconds, they can all identify like that one's fake. And this, what's crazy was they were being asked, like, why is it fake? And they're like, I don't know, but it is. And what's crazy is they were right virtually every time. This is intuition, right? There's this sense that, like, I know that something is right or wrong, but I don't know how I know because I've had so much experience with this. These guys have, have had so much experience studying the real thing that when presented with the fake thing, they could sniff it out immediately. And Malcolm Gladwell famously uh, coined the phrase, he calls this the 10,000 hours rule. And I think the same thing is true of our relationship with God. Like the more time we spend in the word of God and with the followers of Jesus, the easier it is to sense what God wants us to do. Even before our brain can supply us with the biblical reasoning for why we know it's right. Eventually we can. But like our subconscious is telling us, like, listen, I don't have time to explain to you why I know this, but I know that there's something off here. And Elijah had spent so much time with God that when he's standing on the edge of this mountain, that he intuitively knows that God is not in the windstorm, that God is not in the earthquake, that God is not in the fire. He doesn't know how he knows this. He just knows it. And when the whisper comes, he's like, that's God. How does he know this? His intuition. He's had so much time with God that he can sense the presence of God even before he understands why. But here is the hiccup with this. Intuition is shaped by environments and experiences. So if you don't spend much time studying the words and way of Jesus, your intuition may not be aligned with his. This means that like, over time, because we have all these experiences and then we start to internalize all of what we're learning subconsciously, if all of the voices that you're putting into your life are not aligned with Jesus, your intuition is going to be synced with their perspective, not his. So here's the question I have for you, a good question to wrestle with in your own soul. What voices have you spent 10,000 hours with? Because those are the ones that are calling the shots on the gut level of your life. I'm pretty sure this is okay. And it's because you have this intuitive sense that's been shaped maybe not by God. This is why it's important for us to spend plenty of time around what it is we want shaping us at a subconscious level. The, the third way that God whispers is through our biology, our biology. And essentially what I mean by this is that you know, when your mind uh, is sort of at a place where it's unwilling to face or process something, your body will oftentimes signal to you that there is something that you need to deal with or address. And you probably had an experience like this before. You ever felt really sick to your stomach 
and you're like, something's off, I don't know. And later you realized it was your body telling you, you should not be in this situation. And you're, you're like, your mind didn't want to acknowledge it, but your body's like, we'll help out. <laughs> right? It was your body's just way like, you're not going to deal with this, head? We got it. May, you know, sometimes your, your body, God actually speaks through uh, your, your body or your biology through just making you exhausted. I think this is one of the whispers that we ignore most often in our culture. It's, it's God's way often of saying, like, maybe get some sleep before you make that decision. Instead of powering through. You're depleted. Eat something. Like, you need to slow your pace. You need to loosen up your schedule. You are making bad decisions. That's why I keep giving you headaches. Stop taking medicine and start paying attention to the life that you're leading and what I might be telling you through it. In Elijah's story, he'd been running on adrenaline for so long. There's all these stories that occur like back to back of all this crazy, insane stuff. And he's going from one thing to another. And it had been happening for so long. He was so physically depleted that his body just shuts down. And even then, he tries to ignore it. Anybody ever been there? Your body gives up on you, and you're like, I must keep going. You're just pulling yourself along. Everyone's like, you seem sick. You seem like you're not okay. Maybe take a break. And you're like, I will power through. And God's like, what am I going to have to do to this person to get them to reevaluate things? In Elijah's case, he sends an angel to bake him a cake. This actually happens. And he tells him, eat something and get some sleep and listen to your body. It's speaking on behalf of me. And I wonder if there are moments in your life where this is happening to you, where you're just like, I got to keep powering through for the Lord. And the Lord is like, it's not for me. Remember that angelic cake I sent you? Slow down, sleep, listen to your body. I'm trying to speak to you through it. Part of the reason why we miss this is I think, sadly, most of us have abused, suppressed, and medicated our bodies so much that we don't know how to discern what they are saying to us anymore. But I got to tell you, the more that you listen to your body, the easier it's going to be for you to hear God through your body. Now, for some of us, one of the most spiritual things we could do is to start actually listening to what our body is telling us, to actually, like, discern, like, how we're feeling and what our physiology is telling us about our spirituality. But in order to experience God, we got to reconnect to our physicality, our biology. The fourth way I think God whispers to us, this one doesn't sound spiritual either, but it really is, is through reason. God speaks to us through reason. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament, this is like God speaking to people through a prophet. And this is the big spiritual thing that he says. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Come now, let us reason together. God is literally saying, um, like, guys, uh, this is a really complicated emotional situation. So I think we should all sit down and think it through and come up with a logical solution together. God is saying this. Sometimes, like for some of us, this sort of breaks our, our idea of who God is because we tend to think of faith as nonsensical. But that's not faith at all. A close relationship with God ought to make you more reasonable, not less. Now, some of you are like, well, uh, how can that be? Because sometimes, I, like, God, Jesus has challenged me to do something that was difficult. Yeah, 
That's not necessarily unreasonable. Jesus will challenge you oftentimes to choose between his values and your cultures. But that's not unreasonable. It's just uncomfortable. It's just unpopular. That's not unreasonable, though. It's very reasonable. And in Elijah's story, God calms his fears by talking him through the situation and making a step-by-step plan for him for the future. It's, it's crazy. Like, after he hears or senses the whisper, he and God have a verbal exchange. And it is a reasonable conversation about where to logically go next. Interesting. Not what we usually expect. And in fact, there's a back and forth. It's a discussion. It's not even just God giving directives and Elijah listening. Like God's like, maybe this. And Elijah's like, I don't know about that. What about this? And I'm thinking about this. And God's like, good point. What about this thing? And they're talking back and forth. And then they make a plan together. And then Elijah's like, got it. And then he moves forward. I think God wants to do this with a lot of us as well. But many of us, we make decisions, more decisions, I think, motivated by irrational fear than godly wisdom. We make decisions based on the fact that we are afraid and think that maybe God has caused that fear. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. God does not use fear to motivate. In fact, if there is a mantra that God is famous for all throughout Scripture, it is these four words. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It's not the mantra, let me make you afraid so you'll do what I want you to. That's not how God interacts. Let me just give you an example of this because I can feel you being skeptical. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, listen to the way that other English translations have rendered this phrase, sound mind. This is what God is, this is saying, like, this is what God is actually giving you, right? Sound mind is translated as sound judgment, a well-balanced mind, wise discernment, sober thinking, sensibility, logic. This is the big supernatural thing God wants to give you, the ability to think wisely. God does not want you to live in a constant emotional freefall. So if that's where you're at, he wants to do for you what he did for Elijah, calm you down so that you can move from your animal brain to your rational brain and wisely navigate through God's wisdom what to do next. And the fifth way that I think God whispers to us is through our conscience, our conscience. Um, In Romans chapter 2, verse 15, Paul talks about like what a conscience is and does. He says, God's law is written on our hearts and our conscience will either accuse us or tell us we're doing right. So your conscience is this internal sense of right and wrong. It's a moral compass given to you by God, which is great. But here's the caveat here. Like your intuition, your conscience is established by God and further shaped by your surroundings, which means that it can be nurtured and refined and strengthened in some environments. And according to the New Testament, your conscience can be corrupted, weakened, and seared by others. 
there are multiple times where Paul is talking to people and he's just like, you know, their consciences have been weakened. Their consciences have been burnt. In other words, like the, the sense that you have of what's right and wrong, like a tongue that's been like singed. You ever bitten into something and they're like, oh, you're like, oh, fresh. Oh, it's too hot. And then you can't taste anything for like two weeks afterwards. Paul in multiple places says, this happens to our conscience sometimes. Our conscience gets seared and we can't taste what's right and wrong anymore based on our inputs and our environment. And so it's off. And you've had this experience before. Like when you first do something that's wrong, that's sinful, that's not good for you according to God, at first your, your conscience stabs you with guilt. But here's what will happen. If you ignore it long enough, that aspect of your conscience will gradually dull, diminish, and deaden. And it can happen to anyone. In fact, Paul writes this about himself. This is so fascinating to me. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, my con-, he's talking about something he did. He's like, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It's the Lord who will decide. He's basically saying like, I actually, you guys are calling me out on something. I actually feel pretty good about what I did. But ultimately, it's God's word, not my feelings that determine what's right and wrong. And you know enough to know already that your feelings can't always be trusted either. One of the funniest things I think that people say, uh, like determining like whether or not God is in something, is like, I just had a peace about it. Pastor, I just had a peace. Here's the reality. This is true of me, and I think it's true of Paul too. I've had about a peace about things that were wrong before. I've also been super anxious about things that were right. Because at times, my conscience has been dulled by things around me. And I wasn't actually in tune with what God was saying to me. This is why it's smart to filter your gut feelings through Scripture. You got a piece about murdering someone, it's not from God. If you're feeling anxious about being generous, that's not the devil. Because God stands for generosity. So again, we have to retrain our gut feelings to be synced up with the spirit of God. But that's the good news. Like even if it's seared, you can realign your conscience by reconnecting it to Christ. If you're wondering what a healthy conscience sounds like, it sounds just like Jesus. A healthy conscience sounds just like Jesus. Does yours? Or has your conscience been hijacked by someone or something else? I think as Christians, we like to pretend that, you know, we're just, we're following Jesus. We take all our cues from him. But realistically, is that really true of you? Because I think a lot of times what we're following isn't really Jesus. It's a political commentator or a podcast host or a TikToker that doesn't sound at all like your self-sacrificing savior. And maybe your conscience has been hijacked by a voice that does not sound like Jesus. If you want to get in touch with his whisper, you've got to reconnect your soul to what he sounds like through scripture. And I think when we look at Elijah's story, his conscience seems to be formed by the word of God and his interactions with God and his experiences of the faithfulness of God. 
And because of this, he lives his life in tune with the sound of silence. But it wasn't always easy for him. He had to work at this, and so will you. Because like I said earlier, sensing God's whisper requires stillness, self-awareness, and a willingness to surrender. It's going to require you to take a break from all of the noise around you so that you can hear God's soft voice through the noise of the loud crowd around you. You're going to have to pay attention to how your influences are impacting you, whether they are steering you to become more like Jesus or less. And you are going to have to be willing to elevate God's will over yours when you least feel like it. So here's my challenge to you. This week, I want to ask you to just do some homework. We've been doing this every single week. This week, I want you to ask a Christian that you respect how God nudges them in the direction he has for them and how they've learned to discern that it was him. Maybe this is somebody in your small group, somebody that you serve alongside of, somebody that has mentored you or somebody that's just a voice in your life. And you're like, how, how, are, how does God whisper to you? I think hearing the experiences of other people can sometimes open our mind to how God might want to speak to us. Somebody around you may tip you towards a method that God wants to use to speak to you too. And whatever it is, I'll tell you this, it's likely something that is so subtle you could ignore it if you wanted to. And the reason why it's important to lean into this is because God, I think, is always whispering. The question is, will we make an effort to listen? I think just like my daughter when she was real, real young, I think there are times when God is speaking to us and we're just so distracted that we just can't sense it. Make time in your life. Clear out space in your routine to push the noise aside and to simply seek the whisper of God, to hear him in the sound of silence, to notice him nudging you from within, and to recognize it's the Holy Spirit guiding and directing you just as he used to in scripture. That's what I want to pray into your life today as we close our time together. Would you just bow your heads uh, across this space? Father, I am incredibly grateful for all of these ancient stories that give us insight into who we are and who you are, of what you are saying to us, how you want to lead, guide, and direct us. And God, I pray that you would help us to get in touch with the ways that you want to speak to us that are still, that are quiet, that are whispers. God, I pray that you would give us the ability to tune other things out so we can tune you in. And God, I pray that as you speak to us, as you lead us and guide us through our gut, sometimes even more, than an audible voice or even a thought, even through somebody else, but 
God, that we would pay attention to our circumstances, our intuition, our conscience, our body, that we would dial into all of these ways in which you want to lead, guide, and direct us. And ultimately, we would allow the filter of all of these influences to be the words and way of Jesus. God, make us more like you so that we can learn to listen to you. And ultimately, live a better life and make the world a better place. It's in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.